Hello and welcome to BeverageDaily.com. Today I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Mario Abreu, who's the Director of Responsible Sourcing and Recycling at Tetra Pak's Global Environment Organization. Um, welcome, Mario. Thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to, to have a conversation with you. Yes, no worries. It's nice to have you on the line. Um, now, today, Mario, we're talking about sustainable packaging. I mean, it, it's a phrase that everyone bandies about, and I suppose to a certain extent it's, it's become meaningless, or at least to the extent that it's, it, it needs unpacking. Um, it means um, lots of different things to, to lots of different people. Um, now, now, one kind of um, estimation as to, as to what it should mean, or rather what the holy grail of sustainable packaging is, um, was suggested by um, Andrew Streeter, um, who's um, Packaging Innovation Director at Data Monitor, um, the research um, outfit, and he suggested that um, recycling really is, is the holy grail of um, sustainable packaging. Now, I understand, Mary, that while Tetra Pak accepts that recycling is very important. Um, you subscribe to a, 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 the need for a more holistic approach. Um, perhaps you can you can unpack this for, for us a little more. What does this mean? Um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity again. Um, it's a pleasure to, to talk to you. Um, and this conversation is very important because sustainable packaging is important for Tetra Pak and for our customers. And, and we want to be able to continue developing products that go in the perspective of being more sustainable. <clears throat> I hope I, I bring to discussion a perspective from, um, you know, my, my professional background. I, I've been working with recycling uh, even before I left uh, engineering school um, um, many years ago um, and also in the past eight or ten years have been working a lot with uh, uh, responsible management of, uh, of uh, resources, of raw materials. So I hope I can kind of provide you some sort of a, a big picture. Um, so, of course, you know, for developing sustainable packaging, it has to be something that is um, worth, you know, um, you, you can develop the most sustainable package, but if, if there will be um, no um, value for the customer, for the consumer, um, you know, the, the package will, will not have a reason. Um, sustainable packaging can only be done when it's right for the environment, for society, and also works well for business. Um, to begin with, I, I agree a lot with the importance of recycling, and, and Tetra Pak has been investing, uh, continuously investing, developing infrastructure, developing programs that will, uh, you know, support the increase of the recycling rate of our cartons. However, creating sustainable package requires a much broader view, and, and, and that's where we're coming from with the idea of a more holistic approach, because you have to include the raw materials uh, that you're using, the management of the raw materials you're using, and you have to think, for instance, about kind of a how to reduce the carbon footprint or the carbon impact across the value chain. Um, Tetra Pak have have joined some years ago the Sustainable Packaging Coalition, um, which right now has over 200 members of uh, leading companies, um, some of the world's uh, best-known brands. Um, and the Sustainable Packaging Coalition has, you know, uh, taken the task to define um, what are the criteria uh, that has to be incorporated in the development of sustainable packaging. And, and um, 
it's it's a number of criteria. Recycling is part of it, but there are other criteria. Uh, criteria. Um, I can, for instance, say that you know. The Sooner Packaging Coalition says that sustainable packaging needs to meet market criteria for performance and cost. It has to be beneficial. Uh, it has to be safe and healthy for individuals and communities throughout the life cycle. It should be sourced, manufactured, transported, recycled, using renewable energy. Um, should be optimized in the way the renewable and the recycled materials are used, um, should be produced using clean technology, um, should be made from materials that are healthy throughout the life cycle, um, optimized in terms of design, in terms of energy, in terms of quantities, and that is effectively recovered and, you know, utilized in biological or industrial uh, recycling and, and closed-loop cycles. So you see there is kind of a plenty of opportunity that one would miss if only looking at recycling. Um, and, um, and, and that is valid for basically all packaging types. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, you stress this need for a holistic approach, um, Mario, and, um, you, you know, but um, it, it's clear that, um, you know, recycling rates for tetra cartons are relatively low compared to other packaging formats, um, cans for instance. I know you've, you, you're doing a lot of work to, to pick this up, um, but I think you were at 20% um, on average in 2010. You pledged up this to 40% by 2020, um, but I mean this still leaves you behind cans. I mean, what is the company doing to ensure that um, you know, the recycling byproducts, um, paperboard, polyethylene, aluminium, etc., are reused? Yeah, and, and we're happy to say that recycling rates are going up, um, both for beverage cartons and for other types of packaging, uh, you know, worldwide, but there's a lot yet to be done for sure. Um, recycling rates, they, they vary. You know, when, when we report 20%, it's a really global aggregated figure and, and includes basically the over 170 countries where we where we have business, um, but they they vary a lot, of course, from from market to market, um, and and that is as true for beverage cartons as it is for other materials. So, for example, in, if you take uh, markets like Germany and Belgium, you know um, there are systems in place to handle recycling of packaging, and therefore. There, you find uh, recycling rates which are greater than 70%. Uh, so when the collection infrastructure is in place, the recycling rates actually are comparable um, uh, you know, among uh, uh, different types of packaging materials. So we are proud to say that recycling rates for cartons have seen positive evolution over the last decade. And because we are not yet satisfied with that, um, we have set ourselves a target to, to basically double the recycling rate of cartons by 2020, going towards 40%. Um, and, and that requires, of course, you know, investments and requires um, resources. And, and, and you have to see that we are not the ones who own the post-consumer beverage cartons which we're talking about. So um, we, we try to understand what is the business case for the recyclers because they are the ones who are making, you know, effective business. Um, and, and very often, 
we provide seed money to get recycling started or to get technologies developed. Um, and and this, important, this approach is really important in markets where the collection infrastructure is not there or there's not enough volumes to justify a business case for a recycler to make an investment. One example is the UK. You know, we recently co-invested um, in a recycling mill that will enable Back to actually work on developing, increasing the awareness with consumers and to help growing the collection infrastructure. So ultimately, we believe this will result in higher recycling rates, but it is a journey, a journey that we are, um, you know, um, going along um, basically in everywhere in the world. If I take Europe as an example, um, in Europe, 37% of beverage cartons are recycled nowadays, but the total recovery recovery rate, including energy recovery, is about 68%, which is another difference when you compare cartons to cans. You know, cartons can also be recovered as energy, and by doing so, they become alternative fuels to other forms of, of fuels like coal and and, and gas. Mm-hmm. So in some places, um, you know, cartons eventually end up being recovered as energy. But um, what's important to remember is in, in this discussion is that not all packaging is the same in terms of life cycle. So mm-hmm. on, on one hand, if you are talking about non-renewable packaging like plastic, metals, cans, as you mentioned, um, growing the availability of the recycled materials makes lots of sense. Why? Because it reduces the need to extract new finite raw materials to produce the packages. And therefore, this saves a lot of energy and a lot of greenhouse gas emissions are avoided. But for packages, now on the other hand, for packages that are based on renewable resources, recycling is important, but even more important is the responsible sourcing of the renewable materials that are used to produce the package because, you know, these materials are, in principle, um, uh, always available if you can have um, a management system in place that gives you, you know, the, the, the assurance that those resources are responsibly managed and they continue to grow and to strive. So today we are working a lot with this. About 50% of our paper boards is certified according to the highest standard, the most credible standard, which is the Forest Stewardship Council. And the other 50% is coming from sources which uh, um, are at least legal, but also they are uh, protecting high conservation values, both social and environmental. Uh, they are not coming from areas of conflict. They are not coming from conversions of forest lands, which are also definitions that are set by the Forest Stewardship Council. So uh, we know that 100% of our material is, is continue, continue to grow, uh, but more than that, we are looking at uh, responsible um, you know, environment and social practices. So, and, and we are working towards having 100% of our paperboard certified. Um, so, and that's for the reason why we are calling for a more holistic approach. Because, you know, um, the recycling issue becomes um, more nuanced uh, when you compare beverage 
cartons to cans to plastic to cartons. Each packaging type has to be approached holistically uh, when you look at increasing the sustainability profile of, of each packaging. Mm -hmm. Okay, and um, moving on and talking about um, responsible sourcing, and I, I, I guess um, in July 2011 you launched a 100% renewable carton in, in Brazil, and you said the average figure across your portfolio is now 75%. Um, but, but how does Tetrapack work responsibly to offset um, land impact, um, especially given um, increasing demand worldwide for foodstuffs? Um, I mean, this, this um, renewable um, carton, um, the cap, I, mean, uh, I believe, is, is made of polyethylene um, derived from sugar derivatives. Um, so, so, I mean, how do you work responsibly in this respect to, um, to limit the impact on the environment? Sure. Uh, let, let me just be, be clear on something. We, we, we are not yet at the 100% renewable carbon. We have, we have uh, launched, as you said, uh, uh, packaging in Brazil that has um, um, a cap um, that is made out of uh, bio-based polymers coming from sugarcane ethanol. We placing caps made from fossil fuel-based raw materials coming from oil or gas. Um, but we're not at 100% yet. This is this is a continue, continuous um, you know target that we are pursuing. Um, in, in the case of Brazil, what we have done is we have a package that we call tetrabrica septic uh, square, um, and and we have used a bio-based cap there. And by doing so, um, this is a bio-based cap called stream cap. And and by doing so, um, the renewable content of that package went up by 8.5%, and and that. Uh, also resulted in um, in uh, savings in greenhouse gas emissions of 2.4 percent. Um, so by by using uh, this bio-based polymers from, from based on ethanol, um, we are just breaking a pattern. We're moving away from fossil fuels, and we are basically creating opportunity for innovation. Um, uh, it, it doesn't mean that we are not looking for other bio-based materials, uh, maybe coming from other sorts of biomass or agricultural waste. But now um, we are using the sugarcane and, and working to make sure that the bio-based renewable sources we use are meeting the highest standards. Our only supplier for this material in Brazil um, is a member of Bon Sucre, which is a very young certification standard, um, developed it in a multi-stakeholder process for the production of sugarcane and, and for, you know, the, the use of, uh, of these materials. And, and we see this as an evolutionary journey. Um, if I can make an anecdote there, you know, I told you I'm Brazilian, and in, in 95 I, I replaced a car I had that was powered with gasoline by a car powered in ethanol. And, and the reason for that was that every Brazilian was doing that, Probably because financially it was a good thing, but also because it was less polluting to drive a car driven by ethanol than to drive a car on gasoline. And, and we're just making the same type of thinking here. We are replacing um, polymer made of oil with polymer made of ethanol. So if you ask me, is this the end of the story? Are you going to entirely replace in Tetra Park the polymers for, for you know, ethanol? Um, no, I, I, I really don't believe we will, but what we believe is that this is the right direction. So um, we are continuously looking for even more innovative, more sustainable materials in the future. Um, and 
and developing renewable package can't come at any cost. You know, there is a responsibility there. Um, there are very clear issues that you can see if the resources are not managed well, um, but which is why we have been working for a very long time on, for instance, our forestry program. Um, we have worked with suppliers to meet uh, certification schemes, which are very demanding. We have worked with NGOs like WWF, with certification standards at FSC, and and um, and other other actors to support, you know, responsible forest management both within and beyond our own supply chain. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, thank you for that, um, Mario. And my final question is, um, um, how is Tetrapack working to cut its footprint across the value train? I mean, I mean again, I, I refer to um, uh, comments by, by Andrew Streeter again, actually, who, who said that, um, you know, talking about um, carbon, carbon, carbon emissions, water use, supply movement impacts, etc. And he makes the point that you might have a, a, a package that's perceived as wonderful and sustainable, um, but you know you, you have a polyethylene pouch to contain the product, a polypropylene closure, um, and you know recycled board on the outside as well. So you know it's it is it's nice and sustainable, but um, he says what is not judged? Are there are three different manufacturing plants making the three components, three lots of carbon release, consumption of water, and um, an aspect that's often overlooked, supply um, chain movements as well. Um, obviously, in, in that respect, you know, a, a Tetra Pak um, carbon has a, has a, is a sort of a, a few composite elements. Um, how does the company work to, to reduce your footprint across the value chain? Yeah, and yeah, thanks for that question because you know um, the value chain is increasingly complex, and and we agree that perceptions are not always reflecting the reality, as, as said by by Streeter. Um, so our, our approach is to look at the entire value chain of a product, you know, and, and the sustainability aspects from the sourcing of the materials we use throughout logistics. Um, you know, involving all production aspects, um, and 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 of course, how well the package performs uh, on its main, you know, responsibility to protect the foods until it's consumed by by consumers at at, at the end of the use of uh, the package, and, and finally, that is recyclable and, and increasingly being recycled. So. Um, not only that, we are also taking responsibility for lowering the carbon emissions across the value chain, which includes much more than our own operations. We have had between 2005 and 2010 a specific uh, climate goal that was related to our operations, and in five years that we ran the climate goal, we basically had one year of savings um, in, in terms of carbon, so there's like one one year working for free as compared to business as usual. Um, and, and with our new climate goal that we're running now, we have extended the scope of the climate goal throughout the life cycle. So from the production of raw materials all the way to the use of uh, packaging material, to the use of equipment that we sell to our customers, and at, all the way down to the end of life and aspects like emissions from landfill, etc., etc. Et so um, the, the goal we have now is that we will cap emissions across the value chain at 2010 levels all the way towards 2020 despite growth. Uh, despite growth sorry. Um, and, but several tools are needed um, um, to determine what, what the full impact is. Um, so we, we have to use a number of different measures, um, and we 
we do so, like using you know certification schemes for for supply of raw materials, supply requirements. Um, we've been using life cycle life cycle assessment designed for environment methodologies. Um, we have manufacturing certifications. We use the world, um, you know, the, the master uh, pillars uh, concept designed by the Japanese Institute of Plant Maintenance. Um, and so we have a number of, of different measures across our own value chain. And of course, we continue to drive improvement of with our global recycling program. Um, uh, I can even say that. You know, we, we have, uh, there has been an LCA or actually a meta-analysis of all the peer-reviewed available LCAs um, for beverage packaging. And the conclusion already there two years ago was that beverage cartons in the vast majority of cases was attributed with the lowest impact on global warming potential. So we, we are committed to grow our business without growing our cartons, uh, sorry, without growing our carbon. Um, so when, when you know, uh, when examining recycling uh, for different packaging types, it's important to consider a number of factors, not just the recycling itself, but also the carbon impact as I'm, uh, as I'm talking about, the source of material, and that's what we call a holistic approach. Um, indeed, you know, when you look at cans, as was mentioned before, you know, they are often made with recycled content, and even including uh, closed loops. Um, but the finite resources used to make them, being iron, bauxite, gas, oil, are located all over the world and take far more energy to produce and release more greenhouse gas than using virgin renewable resources like wood, which is broadly available. So um, if, if renewable materials are responsibly managed, respecting high conservation and social environmental values, this supply is renewable and virtually unlimited. Um, also, in our production, um, the paper production of, uh, that our suppliers have mostly use renewable energy. Uh, it's about 80% if we consider the European suppliers, which further reduces the carbon footprint across the value chain. Um, and, and we promote you know, the value of recycling used beverage cartons. Um, um, we look into technologies for Polyaluminium, polymer and aluminium recycling. Uh, aluminium is being recycled from beverage cartons. Polymers are being recycled for beverage cartons. Um, and um, we, we hope that tomorrow the value of using renewable materials will even prompt higher recycling rates for, for our cartons in the marketplace. Okay, well, interesting stuff. Um, thank you for those insights, Mario. This is Ben Buchley reporting.